Hello, this is Matt Hale talking to you live from Resonance 104.4 FM. This is the Art Monthly talk show. And today I'm joined by three people um, who are writers in the current issue of Art Monthly, which is the June issue number 357. Now, we don't normally do it live, so forgive us if we're a bit more uh, jerky than usual, although we don't edit normally anyway, so it should be fine. Now, my first guest is Sophie... Williamson, who's a curator based in London. Hello, Sophie. Hello. Sophie's written a review of a show at David Roberts Art Foundation. My second guest is Morgan Quaintance. Hello, Morgan. You've come back again. Yeah. Very kindly. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> he's not too regular, but he's getting a bit more regular. And um, he's written on practice. Peter Suchin is also here with us, Hi. who's been on a few times as well. And Peter's written a review <clears throat> of the collected writings of John Thompson. Now, we're going to quite a lot in this programme, and we're going to start off by talking to Sophie about her review. Um, Sophie, just tell us, it's, it's a show with, with it, which has a fairly particular curated approach, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, it's called Bruvar and Pecochet, Compendious, Compendious Quest for Beauty. Um, and I think when... It's not the kind of show that I would normally have gone to, and certainly when you enter the space, it's... Um, not immediately immediately clear what's happening in the exhibition. Um, so for those of you that haven't been to David Roberts Art Foundation, it's quite a, um, a, a basic kind of white cube square space. And um, the works are set out in different groups. Um, and within the groups, there was connections between the works. Um, but between the different groupings, there's really no um, apparent connection between them. And then you pick up um, the accompanying script um, for the exhibition, which is written by the two curators, Simone Menegoy and Chris Sharp, um, and they've taken on the characters of um, Gustav Flaubert's um, last unfinished novel, novel, which is a story of two autodidacts, um, and they um, inherit some money and they um, give up their jobs as copy clerks um, and leave Paris for the countryside and then spend um, the rest of their time floundering through all different categories of knowledge um, and teaching themselves um, the, the knowledge of these different categories. And so what the curators have done in this exhibition is to apply this to curatorial practice. And they've kind of suggested, which I'm not sure about actually, is that um, the two autodidacts um, approach is similar to curatorial practice um, in contemporary exhibition making where curators are expected to know an awful lot about a whole array of different subjects. so they um, have talked about beauty. The whole exhibition is based on this theme of beauty, although, to be honest, it could be based on any topic. Um, but they've chosen um, beauty to explore, and they have compared um, different categories of beauty within art history. And they've mixed it all up and kind of confused all these different categories and counteracted all of these arguments of beauty um, to kind of um, uh, try to show that defining beauty is is 
somewhat futile. Right. They have because the, they've got um, things like um, memento mori, realism, landscape, outsider art, abstraction. Yeah. It, 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 is, 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 is that um, taken from their bit of writing? Is that, is that what they said they were going to do? Yeah, they kind of set it out in these categories, as you said, um, and they were the different groupings of the work in the exhibition. But what's really imp- interesting about this exhibition is that it nods towards this um, discursive turn in curatorial practice. Um, and kind of brings it back into the exhibition space. So in contemporary curatorial practice, there's been um, a huge amount of curators working just with discussion. Um, For example, the the Serpentine Marathons um, and Matthew Copeland's Spoken Word exhibitions. Um, And what um, Menegoy and Sharp have done is to bring this back into actually talking about artworks and... um, have used this discursive form, but in a in in a text that accompanies the exhibition, so that it's something which the audience um, are part of as they view and experience the exhibition. Yeah, I mean, you, you say something about them. The exhibition uh, towards the end of your review, uh, being thinking about thinking. Yeah, I think that's overarching the whole exhibition. Is um, as I said, it's doesn't really need to be about beauty it could have been about about any topic and what they're really focusing on is how we um, comprehend emotions and how um, emotions or concepts such as beauty are really culturally produced um, rather than them being inherent in artworks themselves they're produced by how we talk about artworks and how we talk about objects and things and um, yeah, there's a book by Janet Wolf, I think, called The Sociology of Aesthetics, which is a lot about that whole yeah. whole area, isn't it, Peter? You, you, I probably have read I'll, that. I'll flip through it once. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of the pictures. But it, but it, 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 it basically says that it's about the construction of what what we think is beautiful from the, from from our yeah. society. Well, is, that, is that right? Well, yeah, well it says that um, beauty is a yeah, social construct, and that it isn't one thing. It's Produced by language and by you know yeah. social circumstance. So I think that links as well. No, that, yeah, and then obviously the um, well, obviously, but the Flaubert connection, the book Beauvoir and Petitier, which is as Sophie was saying, is about two um, people who spend all their time reading books and uh, investigating different branches of knowledge, and then they try to um, carry out well, like to be an architect. Like, yeah. So they study, they read lots of books on architecture, and then they go and try and be uh, architects, and it all goes wrong. Or they study medicine, and then. Yeah, because that was, that was the one thing I was wondering, Sophie, because there's, so, there's this idea of failure, which Peter's talking so about. So I think that exhibition is obviously foreground in the, um, let's use a kind of trendy word, the discourses of knowledge, isn't it? It's saying that knowledge is produced, or beauty, in inverted commas, is produced by uh, a, a setup, and they're foregrounding. I haven't seen the show, actually, but from the description, they're obviously foregrounding the curatorial act of selection and yes. choice. And does that, and then, does that, do you agree with that? Well, yes, and also on top of that, they're um, discounting any um, negotiation of of these categories um, but actually in doing so they produce a very beautiful experience so they kind of put it into practice whilst you mean in, in your experience things. of looking at the show you found their it's combination very, of art beautiful is that, um, is that what you mean it's the conversation between the two characters actually right. in the artworks themselves you know you can give or take them right but within the discussion between these two characters it's something which becomes very personal uh, and a personal discussion with the with the audience, with the viewer as well. But is that is that sorry? Just for clarity, is that mm. in the writing that they produced for the show that you're saying this discussion is going on? Then the the text for 
the exhibition is set out like a, a like a script between the two characters. I, oh, I see, I see, I've got it. Okay. And so between the two characters, they look at each of these categories, looking at these artworks, and yeah, kind of uh, discuss them, and to a point, kind of. Um, in each case, they they kind of say that that the beauty is something else, and they go on to the next topic. Yeah. So they're constantly discounting a theory of beauty. Okay, um, and it's in this this discussion that something quite beautiful happens. I've as got you. you. I've got you. Okay. Thank, okay. Thanks a lot, Sophie. I was going to come on to Peter and, and your book review now, Peter. Did you want to say something? Well, quick? Just, just presumably that beauty that Sophie's talking about, or that she you know felt was there. It's only yet one more possible beauty, isn't it? It's not yeah. the true beauty, as it were. Yes, it's of the course. beauty of the staging of beauty. Yeah. Or some, some and sort. I think something which which relates to it is that it's that description can't ever um, fulfil the, how the world really is. It's only in experiencing mm. it. So, and I think that's what they're playing with without actually saying it. Yeah, in the text. No, 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 not. Peter, your review is of John Tom, the writings of John Thompson. Now, John Thompson is an artist yeah. and a teacher yeah. and obviously a writer as well because he's, he's written... D- just um, There's no obvious link between the, the Sophie's review and, and that, but obviously he, he's an artist pr- practising, but yeah, he's so also dealing with words yeah, so and of, thinking. A kind of theorist and a practitioner. So yeah. in that sense, um, it seems to me that that's what one of the themes of the floor of their book on which the show is based is the theory is in the book and you read the book and you become the expert, but in practice it, it just doesn't work like that. So it's a comic denouncement of the idea of perfect knowledge in books and the idea that theory can somehow carry everything, you know, and turn you into the practitioner. So I think right. with John Thompson, he's not, he's not an art theorist, but he's an artist who writes, which I think is very important, or quite important. And I think he's in a kind of tradition or sort of mini-tradition of teachers who are also... Well, artists who think of teaching as part of their practice... Get the P word in before uh, more <laughs> does later on. Yeah, I mean, j- um, uh, just how interesting. Um, Michael Corrish, who's got a feature in that in this yeah. same issue, he, he, who regretfully couldn't come on and join us as well. He, he actually thinks he says that the teaching is the politics that he. Yeah, I think it does. That, yeah, the, he, that's where he is political in, the, in a way. So I thought it was interesting, yeah. rather than being in his art being political, it, it actually in the teaching. Well, he writes quite a lot about Ian Burns, doesn't he? The Australian um, conceptual artist who's uh, now dead, I think, and um, and he says that. Um, his teaching was a kind of practice. I think he says that. Yes, yes, yes. And, and this so, word practice is obviously, I'm glad it's coming up when talking about your... Keep, yeah. Well, no, it's good because it ties in with Morgan's, yeah. Morgan's feature, which we'll come on to in a little bit. But d- d- what kind of stuff did John write about, Peter? Well, I think um, John, John Thompson, uh, he, well, he, he says that he came, to, he came to be someone who thought of himself as someone who should write because he felt there was a problem that certain things in the art world weren't being addressed. That was <clears> in the 1970s when he first started publishing. So some of the stuff is, if you like, polemical and raising issues about things that haven't been discussed, some of his writings. I mean, I should perhaps say what the book's like. It's a long book. It's um, 500 pages long. There are just over 30 articles and interviews, and then they're, they're not in any order except... Well, they're in a chronological order. They're not in, in categories or groupings, really, except chronologically. And um, quite a lot of the book is material he's published in exhibition catalogues. So, as it, were, as it were, automatically, you could say they're very affirmative essays supporting the artist, or they might, you know, that he's writing about, or they're promoting and describing and explaining reasons why he curated a, a particular show, because that's another string to his uh, bow, as it were. Yeah, just, just for people who don't, maybe don't know him, John taught at Goldsmiths yeah. on, on the BA and I think on the MA as well. Yeah, because he famously taught some of the YBA, didn't he? Yes. Which he then 
in the book, in fact, criticises. He, criti- he feels they've let down the sun and become very commercial. Quite, quite strong. I mean, he does it quite yeah. strongly, doesn't he? Which I think is very important that he says that, and it's very brave to say it, instead of um, saying, I'm wonderful, aren't I, because I taught the YBM, we've all heard of them now. Well, there's a sort of silence very, yeah. of criticism of any of them by anybody who like, taught uh, them. In the new um, Damien Hurst... <laughs> Hi, guys. But in the new Damien Hurst exhibition catalogue, there's a kind of... Um... You mean you bothered reading it? Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I scan-read it in the, um, in, the, in the sort of custom bespoke bookshop. Oh, yeah. that you can only get into if you go to the exhibition and you can't leave unless you leave the exhibition so oh, it's great. not like it doesn't exist outside right. of the exhibition anyway but um, within the exhibition catalogue there's an there's an essay by Michael Craig Martin and I, wasn't he one of the teachers? Yes, definitely and He's the other um, sort, sort of main teacher isn't he? Yeah. younger shop crowd I mean my impression which of course may be wrong is that Craig Martin was the kind of um, public figure you know public speaking figure at the time promoting the YBA and you know getting them, in, getting them into exhibitions that in galleries he was associated with, and John Thompson was the sti- the uh, well, I know he said the very serious teacher. I'm not saying Craig Martin's serious, but he was the teacher, kind of almost behind the scenes in terms of its fame. Yes, but you know it was known that he's and and obviously um, he was the modest but big influence. Modest, yeah, and not very modest, I think, but also very you know very important, and I think very respected within the art world. Uh, I feel uh, rightly so. Yes, personally. Yeah. But, um, so he's written about artists and catalogues, yeah. and I just. But, 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 what did say? You mentioned a show he curated. What was it? Uh, well, there's a few. The, fam- the f- famous one, I think, is Gravity and Grace, which, which was, I at think the was 1992 at the Hayward. Yeah. And I think it. Was, uh, I did see it actually. I can't remember the entire concert, but uh, I think it was concerned with Arte Provera and then other post-war art. I think it had Robert Smithson and people like that in it. So it was a kind of survey of post-conceptual or conceptual art that merged into sculpture, really mainly mainly around sculpture. But, you know, as I, as I was saying, in the book he writes about a lot of things. Some of the essays or interviews with him, or um, there's a few interviews with him by the editors, they're autobiographical, and that helps you sort of work out a bit why he uh, picks certain things. Then, as I say, there's some kind of polemical pieces. There's quite an interesting piece about... Um, well, he calls it something like the Luke Toymans effect, and what he means by that is that when Luke Toymans was um, very, very popular and being collected massively in the... Was it in nineties? Yeah. I mean, he may still be. I don't know. But you know, when this kind of fashion came came about for his for his work, a lot of artists. John Thompson. A lot of artists tried to paint like him, and he's saying this is a fundamentally wrong way of artists and art students to think. You know, let's do a Luke Thomas because that's what's popular now. I mean, the There's, style was appropriate. Yeah. So he's he's critical of the mar- of the market of the market mentality of artists trying to. Um, Getting on the, you know, get on the we'll bandwagon of the artist who yeah. is, you know, very, you know, arguably yeah. very good, and yeah. so, so he's criticising people painting for the, as it were, the wrong reasons. I think he's saying really. So that's quite, you know, an important essay. Yeah, you, you actually did meet him recently, I know, and, uh, yeah. and, and he said that it's not all of his writings by a long shot. He it? said it's only half his writings. It's only half. So I think I was talking, actually bumped into the editors the other night, and they were saying the books. I think they said the present book is one hundred eighty thousand. Really? Words long, you know. I mean, it's I'd say 500 pages of dense text. It takes a long time to read. I mean, you can't. Um, did you read all of it? I did. Yeah. How long I, did it take? Oh, uh, weeks. You know, <laughs> I read it in weeks. Stages. I thought you were saying months. He's like, oh, a couple well, of weeks. I had. Um, yeah. I think if you sat there every day, all day for a week, you could have read it. But you just had to sit and read. But mm. I, I found some of it. Um, I felt some of the text could have been a bit shorter uh, in this version, and some of the other ones could have been longer. But you know, maybe that's just my. You know, I've got certain interests in specific things and not in others, but but I think really it's important because of the link between his right, you know, his practice as an artist and teaching. I think if you say it's a kind of criticism that writing, you could say, of course, or I would say, criticism itself is a form of teaching. 
And um, well, that's a good a good point to um, I think perhaps to shut me up. <laughs> no, no, I'm not shutting you up. You can please join in with Morgan no. as well. But because Morgan wrote a feature, we'll, we'll give him a little bit more time. But, but <laughs> no, but we'll pull back into other things if he if he dries up at all, <laughs> which I've never it's, known him do. Wow, <laughs> it's a possibility. But anyway, uh, but listen, um, Morgan, did you think there was a link, or, or, or does anybody else think there's a link between your feature and these other these other things that we're talking? About? I mean, practice has come up. I suppose the word, the, yeah, isn't it? In, in both the both of these reviews, I mean, there's definitely a link in terms of the idea of Bovar and Pekashay having this um, idea that they're going to t- 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 go off into the country and test out all these theories by doing practical activity to see if they actually work. So, in one sense, that fits in with that. I think P- Peter's piece. Um, I guess I'm not too sure. I mean, I'm sure there is, but I kind no, don't of worry, that's fine. kind of glossed over because I was thinking about what you're going to ask <laughs> me next. <laughs> I mean, in, in um, a way, sorry. If I may just say, yeah, in, yeah, in, the, in the sense, you could, one could think of um, Thompson or, or another artist's writings mm. as a kind of set of theories, you know, propositions, proposals for how, how art or yeah. the art world should be, and then you know the actual world is however it is, or how, how one makes it. You know, the, the yeah. practice is not the wishful thinking, is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because practice is at the forefront of the article, but really, similarly to uh, John Thompson, I, I was just do, using that as an excuse to address things that aren't being addressed. And, and I felt that people, um, there's a kind of a smokescreen that we, we, we worry about how words are being used. And um, uh, alongside this worry about words being used, there's this anxiety about criticality dissolving and not being used anymore and students not knowing who Jacques Derrida is. This is within the art world. Within the about. art world. And I mean, that's, that's a quite vague term anyway, but I'm talking about articles that I might have read in specific magazines or um there's an article by Robert Storr where he, st- he starts off the article by saying he asked a student about what he felt about practice, praxis, P P R A X I S, and the student said he didn't know what it meant, and there was like guffaws at the fact that this guy didn't know what it meant, and he, you know, and I always thought that was slightly, um, uh, well, just condescending that somebody, sh- anyway, so. Part of what I wanted to do was um, pull in this word that's sort of hanging in the balance of legitimacy and, and pretentiousness the word for practice. some people, and the word is practice. And a lot of people refer to what they do in art as having a practice, or within my practice I do this, within my practice I do that. And there's like two schools of thought. There's some people who feel like this is a pretentious term and we should just be talking about artwork or just refer to your art. And there's other people who feel like it's just, um, you know, an innocuous term that just accurately describes what's happening at the moment. And I sort of, I reside in that camp, really. Um, and I think what's what made me sort of stand up for it a bit was the fact that there's obviously some young people at the moment who are, who are going into schools and referring to their work as practice. And I, I, I've seen people get shot down. And, and it's, it's such a precarious linguistic framework that you move into when you get into art. And people are always telling you you don't know what you're talking about and you don't have the right to use this term, you can't use that Or you one. feel you should know more. Yeah. And there's so, always more. And I felt like there's a kind of conservatism behind it. So anyway, basically what I wanted to do was define practice and just say, well, look, obviously it's like, um, it. well, I've, in looking at it, it came from this idea of practice from Marx, if you want to trace it that way and say that, well, if we're talking about practice in modern working methods, it's the idea that behind somebody's work is a set of ideas that they're seeking to test out or embody in an object. And uh, one of the things I wanted to say was that a long time ago, all of that stuff came from, you know, the gods of critical theory or Foucault and all these different types of people. So you had a a, a moment in contemporary art or 
where it was a real demonstrative relationship. Like I've I've read about um, the mirror stage, so I'm going to make some work with mirrors in it. And that's you in the seventies or sort of Bruce now? Yeah, when, yeah. Is that the period you're saying yeah. that's oh, when that happened? I guess so, but I yeah, mean, it's, sti- it's still happening. It still happens now. Uh, uh, so. But basically, what I kind of wanted to do was just to say, look, come on, guys, look, we all know practice exists. This is what people are doing now, so stop getting on the backs of people who are using the term. It's but fine. I feel it's, I feel you're talking about two different things, anyway, because mm. I think what some of what you're calling pra- uh, practice, sorry, practice now, yeah. and the kind of the- you know what what would have been. What's replaced something from 20 years ago that would have been Lacan or Roland Barthes or Derrida yeah. or something yeah. as a body of theory you're expected to know in certain mm. contexts within the art world? I think when somebody like, um, I forget her name, name now, you mentioned her in the, uh, the one who's interested in astronomy. Katie sort of, Patterson. When Katie yeah. Patterson picks some stuff and makes work about it, I think it's not anything to do with theory. That, mm. she's just, that's her subject matter. It's not theory. Yeah, and right? that's what I, I mean. I, I, but she's talking about theory about how to put it together. Well, yeah, the idea is that... Um, <laughs> I, I just feel like being tethered to theory hasn't actually accelerated the progress of contemporary art. It's actually it's actually hampered it. It's actually kept it within this narrow confines of speaking to a set of people who know the same thing. It's like, what's the point in going to an exhibition to be told about what you already know about that you've read in a book somewhere? So what I was trying to get, say or trying to um, articulate in some way is that what's happening now is different to what was happening before, but that doesn't make it less legitimate. Okay, so I, you, I would say, if you're talking about theory with a capital T, and yeah. I'm just talking about theory with not with a capital T, but I feel like that's what's happening at the moment. If an artist is... Yeah, I, I, I just think that that's a kind of conservative... For me, that was... that. That sort of represents a kind of conservative position to say, well, what you're doing isn't really theory. It's just you've got a set of ideas over there and you're you're sort of showing some work. So it's kind of like... Yeah, it's not giving I mean, it the no, the value no. that I think it should have. Well, but that's uh, sorry well, to interrupt you, but yeah, that yeah. isn't really the main front <laughs> because <laughs> okay. it, I, I don't even think there's a discussion about it. It's the fact. It's the fact. That's how how it is. Yeah. That's a contemporary artist sensibility. Yeah, if you but, go and see an artist, surely, work, yeah, okay, but surely um, these people who seem to have no theory, the theory of no theory, as Terry Atkinson, you know, once said, is a theory. So the idea that we just make the work now, we don't, you know, some of these people just do the they pick these interesting subject matter or mm. various, and then they get on with it. Uh, that seems to not really be talking about theory and practice, because I think of theory and practice, it's not, you know, maybe the, we're just at loggerheads about a certain, obviously about a term, but yeah. I think of, um, well, you know that thing you were saying about things coming out of the Marxist or um, yeah. perspective? Yeah. I think that's right. See, I think theory was like, we can change the, you know, millennium particularly, we can change the world into a communist society if we do this, this, and so that's the theory, and then in practice they do whatever they do, and it doesn't necessarily do it. So then you learn something new from the activity, the practice or praxis, and then you change your theory. So there's a kind of feedback, and presumably Katie Passon and else they still have a theory going on about if I put these words, these things together in this way, the result will be such and such. Now you don't want them to. You're talking about them no, not illustrating. I think what you're talking about is IKEA instructions. So you're sort of saying, but you are, but you are, because you're saying Katie Patterson has like. Um, but this is the point. I don't really want to get into talking about semantics. Okay, so cool. What, what I'm got, saying is that because you used the word. Practice. But I've already explained it, though. I explained it in the article, and I'm saying, you know, uh, underpinning this idea of theory is what you'd call theory of a capital T. That the, that the idea of criticality and the idea of like um, t- language is, is contingent. Everything is text. You know, sexuality is a myth. That underpins all of this different stuff. And I think why, why I was saying IKEA is because you're sort of saying there's a set of instructions how to make a cabinet. Once it's made. It's made. There's uh, no, yeah, there's no, no, there's no, there's um, no feedback. But 
got... You move. No, you move okay, on to your, yeah. your so, next. Because you're saying you, you've done this thing and you wanted to. You were going to say, but that's not really what it's about. So yeah, what, what, I mean, what was like, it about then? Well, basically, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to say like the true object of critical. What we should be focusing on is the behaviours of certain institutions or the practice of obscurantism. And I don't think people using the term practice should be tied to a definition that maybe had um, um, legitimacy in a, in a generation that's gone before. If we're like being, if we're going to characterise or we, if we're going to define the terms of how we're working now, we should be able to um, refurnish the word with a new definition. I, I don't see if there's a problem with that. Well, Conservatism, which is what I'm, anyway, which yeah. is what I'm illustrating yeah. here. So I think what I and mean, what I was talking about was the two targets that we should be focusing on: are obscurantism and a kind of corporateness or kind of um, uh, corporate behaviours by institutions. And uh, I, this is in a way of talking about things that aren't being addressed. So what I, I gave a couple of examples. One of them was British Art Show 7, where um, a lot of language was used to dress up something that was a, a kind of questionable practice that the two curators were trying to make the exhibition from a straight survey show into a sort of jumble thematic show. Uh, jumbled thematic show where they brought in somebody who wasn't a British national into the show who was um, Christian Markley but at the same time as doing that they didn't bring anybody from the Commonwealth which was easily legitimate and would have sort of diversified the exhibition racially and made it much more topical so I, I thought, look, let's let's focus on on that. That's that's behaviour that should be called into account. Um, using language to dress up these things and put put the, a kind of um, a barrier of uh, um, how can I put it like uh, obtuseness in the way of something, so you can't question it because you can't quite understand how it's been articulated. But you sort of give a reason which sounds like they thought about it. And, yeah, and, and think, got, think they got away with it. I've got a really funny example. Okay, I'm just going to give you this quick example. But right. um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with uh, Karen Murs of Brad Butler or China Mav- Mavial's new film, but it's just really interesting because only in the art world is this language allowed. Yeah, and it, it was so interesting because it, it came in something called the um, the Ritzy Cinemas program. So every Everywhere else, there's these short descriptions of films saying George Clooney is in this. It's a good film. It's all about like, um, you know, uh, someone's just had a divorce from his family. And then here was this short paragraph description of a new film called The Deep State, which was by Karen Mirza, Brad Butler, and Shina Mieville. And it contained this sentence. Yeah, it said, "The Deep State is evoked as an amorphous, submerged totality, encroaching upon an accumulation of mass struggles which connect through grainy portals." Evading the panopticon-like gaze of the deep state. Now, what what what, what does that mean? Well, it's called Sue's, Sue's, Sue's corner. Sue's corner yeah. That, yeah. Isn't it? yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know it's Sue's corner, but well, is it I, I not mean, just we, bad writing? <laughs> but the thing is, these things are used to dress up. I mean, they're, they're used to, dressing, to, yeah. to exclude people from being able to critique them. And this is what I'm saying. It's it's my job if you know if I have to accept it as being some sort of critic or writer, I should be able to dissect these things and say that's absolute nonsense. And then the and the other thing I wanted to focus on was like corporate behaviours by institutions, so specifically the Hayward because I think uh, Jeremy Della uh, had a recent exhibition called Joy and People, and I think uh, he's sort of well known as a, a sort of class class warrior or class hero, but um, you know it was ten quid to get into the exhibition. There were no concessions, and that there was this film on the miners' strike which was all about um, sort of unifying the working class uh, um, communities and um, showing them that their struggles are kind of um, linked through time. But, you know, there was no education programme set up for it. So basically, I just wanted to draw attention to these things that I felt hadn't been questioned. Even if it did seem like I was whining a little bit, I felt like it needed to be there. Listen, I'm really sorry. We have come to the end of the programme. As it's live, I've got to wind up a fractionally... 
less snappy or more snappy than I would normally do. What I'll say, one really quick thing is that there's a f- subscription offer. If you go to www.artmonthly.co.uk slash resonance, you get a very good discount on a subscription and you also get a free digital subscription with every Art Monthly subscription. Thank you for my guests to coming up, for coming on, Sophie, Morgan and Peter. Hope you enjoyed listening. Goodbye all.